0: Welcome to episode number 89 of Off the Shelf. I am very pleased to welcome Charles Paisley to the Off the Shelf podcast. Charles, as a minister, was formerly a lifelong message follower of William Branham. He was raised in Raymond Jackson's Message Church, who was known or referred to by William Branham as Junior Jackson in Jeffersonville, Indiana, and Charles became assistant pastor of the church in the years after Raymond Jackson died. Charles is a senior manager of a large technology department in Louisville, Kentucky. He is a researcher and a writer on the subject of Indiana history. Charles was the editor of the Contender magazine, which had thousands of su- subscribers in the message. He has traveled internationally and has visited dozens of message churches. His family has been in the message for decades and attended the Branham Tabernacle, where William Branham, while William Branham rather, was still living. Charles personally knew and has been acquainted with many witnesses of William Branham's life and ministry, including personal friends and acquaintances who knew William Branham all the way back to the 1930s, years before he gained international fame, and even before he was married and had children. Charles is currently a minister at the Gospel Church of Jeffersonville, where he is working with other former message believers and former message ministers to help people leaving the message find community and support As they exit the message and, most importantly, to help people have a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Charles, welcome to Off the Shelf.
1: Thanks for having me, Rod. I'm glad to be here and looking forward to having a good conversation with you today.
0: Charles, can you give our listeners a bit of background on yourself? When did you come into the message?
1: So I was I was born into the message, so uh, there's a phrase I've heard before called a born on the bench. <laughs> I think that about describes me, Rod. I was born on the bench. Uh, I was born to parents who are also lifelong message believers. My mother was born while my grandparents were still in attendance at the tabernacle during Brother Branham's lifetime. Um, my father's family came into the message in the '60s, so um, my great grandparents were in the message too. Uh, my my entire family, aunts, uncles, cousins. So I'm just a am a lifer. Um, I was born in Canada. I'm actually Canadian, uh, New Brunswick. Canada. Can you sing the national so anthem? The opposite side of the country from you. <laughs> oh, Canada, right? <laughs> Uh boy. I don't even know if all the Canadians know. Well, the they words. keep changing our words <laughs> to make
0: them more. Our prime minister uh, yeah. is one of the more politically correct people in the political sphere in the world. They keep changing the national anthem to more gender neutral, to make it more inclusive. And, you know, as so we've lost all the history, but we do have a more po- politically correct national anthem now. Yeah. So I, I-
1: as a as a young boy, I lived in I lived in Canada. I went to a church pastored by my grandfather, actually, who was also a message preacher. And my great grandfather was a message preacher. I got uncles that are message preachers. Uh, lots of message preachers in the family. Uh, my my parents moved to uh, here in the Jeffersonville area, back where my 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 grandparents lived here uh, in 1990. And so I've I've lived here in the Jeffersonville area since 1990. Um, So that's kind of my background. Grew up at Faith Assembly. Grew up at uh, Raymond Jackson's church. Um, We had lots of old timers there. Knew lots of people. Loved the message. Just the message was my life. Yeah, well, as uh, it was mine. You know, Yeah. yeah. It's like a like an, almost like an old friend now, you know, when I think back on it, there's so much about, in some ways you, there's aspects of it you miss, and then there's uh, aspects of it, you know, we're glad I've moved on. Uh, but so just love the message and obviously enough to give my life to it in the way I did. I, you know, preached the message, uh, took care of the contender, just gave my whole life to the church and good works and such The for, for all the years that I so was So were there. you
0: born into the message or did you come in or did your parents come in where you're young?
1: No, my parents were—I was in the message from yeah. birth. My parents my was in the message from their whole lives as well. Because your grandparents
0: were in the message. Um,
1: exactly. My, my grandparents and my great-grandparents converted into the message uh, at, at different times, but my they, they came into the message. Uh, my grandparents—so my grandfather— um, before my grandparents married, my grandfather had known of William Branham and had some contact. When they got married in 1960, they sh- my grandparents started attending the Tabernacle very frequently, regularly. Shortly after that, so uh, that that's about the time my my family, the oldest members of my family, came into the mess. So
0: you were not only a follower of William Branham, but you were also a follower of Raymond Jackson or Junior Jackson. Years ago, and it is a long time ago because our kids, uh, I think we might have one or two kids at a time, and we had a couple of young men from the Philippines who I actually visited in Manila uh, just before the pandemic, and they're now out of the message, but they were staying at our house, and I remember them reading me a passage from the book of Daniel, and they looked at me and said, what do you think this means? And I said, well, what do you want me to think it means? And they indicated that something that William Branham had said about the 70 weeks of Daniel was was incorrect and that they indicated that God had allowed William Branham to say something that was incorrect so that it would fool people who were not really believers. And, and, and it was one of the stranger conversations I had with someone from another say subsect in the message. And I remember that their logic completely escaped me because I just figured if God is trying to fool me, it's going to work. <laughs> so from your, from your perspective, what, uh, what are the distinctives of the Jackson movement? I, I don't know how you refer to yourselves.
1: So we, yeah, we called ourselves message yeah. believers. We were the, we were the heirs of the message. Um, we we were the message. Like we, we use the exact same terminology probably as your group. Um, yeah. Although we refer, we, we would have referred we were, to you guys uh, yeah. as
0: the junior Jackson followers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we would call your group the Branamites. Uh And so well, we basically, we believed uh, you were the apostates and we had the, well, junior, of course, right? I, every, kind of every group
0: we, inside. inside that, yeah. I mean, it's strange. <laughs> every subsect inside the message thinks the other guys are all wrong and they got the real truth. Right. right. So, so how did, if you look at the Jackson movement, how did it differ or what are u- are unique doctrines from their perspective?
1: Sure. So, I guess kind of knowing the history of how we split off from all of the all the rest of them kind of maybe helps explain that a little bit and um so brother Jackson had a a dream very shortly after brother Branham died. Um, dreams featured very prominently in Brother, Br- Brother Jackson's ministry, um, and they were of a sense of prophetic dreams, I guess is how we look at them. And he had a dream that he got uh, like an ordination certificate in the mail uh, and ordained him as an apostle, and it was signed William Marion Branham. And so he believed he was uh, the apostolic successor of William Branham. Uh, we believed in having a fivefold ministry and. As time progressed he was the he was the head of that uh we we would refer to him as the chief apostle of the fivefold ministry and so he so that was his position within the within the group um so things we started actually separating from the main groups very early on brother jackson preached brother at brother Branham's funeral he was one of the speakers at the funeral we were, he was still in quite tight you know right when brother when brother jack when brother Branham died but um like at brother branham's funeral lee vale and raymond jackson had a falling out right at the funeral over whether or not william branham would raise from the dead right so the shortly after brother branham's death the divisions are kind of starting with us and the other sects um so that happens then brother brother jackson does a lot of missionary journeys. so, so just to go back lee vale believed yeah, that ahead. william branham would yeah. raise from the dead Yes, at the time. And so, obviously, I wasn't there. But this is the story that's passed down to us. Yeah, Lee Vale was insistent at that time that William Branham would raise from the dead. And Lee Vale actually preached a message at the tabernacle the week after the funeral. um, So we're told that the grace age had ended, no more souls could be saved. uh, And Christ was off the mercy seat and, you know, the rapture was basically imminent. And all this kind of led up into the, the initial separation from us and Lee Vale's group. Because um, obviously we didn't, Brother Jackson didn't believe any of that. Um, then you kind of come down the road and Brother Jackson is doing a lot of his mission work. And so late 60s, early 70s, he does especially a lot in North America and in Europe. And there was a man named uh, Brother Larson from the Tabernacle who was from uh, who was from Norway and they partnered together to do a lot of uh, church planning and spreading the message into Europe. And what would happen is they, they would go around and they would have revivals, and then Perry Green would follow behind and kind of pick off the churches <laughs> and bring them over into his sect. <laughs> so Brother Jackson and Perry Green start having their following out falling out in those years uh, as Perry Green kind of trails behind him and, you know, s- steals churches, you might Sheep say. Keep stealing. Uh, so... Yeah, so by the early 70s, you know, we we fell out with Perry Green and that lot. And so that kind of, you know, these things kept proceeding. And by the time you get uh, into the 80s, early 80s, we had more or less kept peace with the Tabernacle crowd um, and, you know, the main group. But when Sister Branham died, kind of all of the goodwill between Faith Assembly and the Tabernacle, a lot of that dried up. I think for Sister Branham's sake, that's what held a lot of that together because... Um, Sister Branham still liked Brother Jackson. They got along well, and it kind of maintained peace between the two groups. Uh, But after that, basically, there was almost a a complete separation, and we no longer even spoke to the tabernacle crowd. So by the 80s is when things have really separated there. Um, And a lot of the problems there was around—so I'm sure you know about Fred Sothman and the ones who believed William Branham was God incarnate, Uh, the— the Simpson family, the McGuire family. There's, there's so there's quite a few people actually here in the Jeffersonville who do believe that William Branham is God incarnate. And if you run into them, they I mean they'll 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 say things like, "It's a beautiful day, brother Branham has given us today, isn't it?" Right? Like you run into the post. So, wow. anyways, that kind of stuff just kind of fed into into our kind of division away from it because at the time we weren't as crazy as they were at least so that's that's kind of how we spun it anyway but uh some of the distinctives coming out of that and i I look back you know we don't we didn't believe that william Branham preached the revelation of the seventh seal like that's one thing we just didn't believe he had the revelation of the seventh seal and we didn't believe he ever preached the seven thunders so those are two huge differences from us and the and the rest, because obviously all the other groups believe he preached the seventh seal, right, and the seven thunders. And you know, I I I've, I've kind of you know, having left, struggled trying to understand how we arrived at that conclusion. Uh, but there's kind of this unspoken rule that we in our sect did not believe anything that William Branham preached after 1963. That we didn't believe anything he preached in '64 didn't believe anything he preached in 65. We really don't even believe what he preached the second half of 63 after the seal. So it's a little strange so,
0: there. So, so you're kind of opposite to the way, because yes. there's this concept in, at least in my sect, which we did, we, again, we said we were in the message, but I've I've heard it referred to as the bride coming, subsect of the message. But we had this concept of progressive revelation so William, if you take where, and William Branham often said two different things about the same thing, or he had two opinions, oh, yeah. right? So he taught this, he taught this. And then after the seals, you know, that was when you could say, okay, you could bank on this because he might've got it mixed up. Because I mean, early in his ministry, he believed in Trinity. You can find references to, to him referring to the Trinity as being, you know, a good way to believe. So you're kind of the opposite of progressive revelation, which I'm not sure what you call it, degressive revelation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we would we would say we believe in progressive revelation, uh, but I guess only up to an extent, right? Um, so it, it, there, there's this uh, just this unusual thing that I I never fully understood why it was this way. Um, I I think that Brother Jackson. May have started to have a little bit of fallen out with William Branham, perhaps in the last year or two of his life, that that led to this. Uh, but like we didn't believe marriage and divorce, we didn't believe the heavenly home, uh, we didn't believe stature of a perfect man.
0: Um, so he didn't you really know, like Clarence order, Larkin. that was a
1: big one. <laughs> he didn't. Uh, he, he 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 basically didn't. Uh, so Brother Branham actually gave Brother Jackson copies of Clarence Larkin's book. So Brother Jackson had always known what yeah. he did. Um, which I which I eventually found out. Uh, maybe we'll talk more about that. But uh, so what, the way we did it, or I should say, the way Brother Jackson did it, and this kind of goes back to that initial comment you talked about those brothers from the Philippines. So Brother Jackson, from very early on, he had this doctrine, this teaching. He called it the fan is in in his the fan is in his hand. And Brother Jackson took a prophecy of John the Baptist, where where John the Baptist said. Um speaking of, of Christ said, his fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor, referring to how Christ would separate, you know, the chaff and the wheat. So Brother Jackson takes that prophecy and he applies it to William Branham. And he says that uh, the way this will work is that William Branham will preach doctrine and this doctrine will be used to separate people. Some of the doctrine will be good doctrine. Some of the doctrine will be bad doctrine. And the good doctrine, you know, will blow the good seed, right? And then the bad doctrine will blow the chaff away. And so, of course, Brother Jackson could then, you know, explain to us what was, you know, what was good doctrine and what was not good doctrine. And so he used this. um, this This is the glue that held the message together for us. This is how, you know, we could... We could selectively say, "Well, we don't believe church order. We don't believe heavenly home, right? But we do believe the first five seals, right, or, or this or that." And so, that kind of set up this this weird thing where we selectively accepted parts of the message and rejected other parts.
0: But but and and the person who decided whether what, what you accepted or rejected was Raymond Jackson. That's right. But yeah. I, there's nothing i'm aware of thinking in the gospels that john the baptist ever said that you could say well this is this is what happened to john the baptist he confused people and it's, that's very that's a very bizarre way of thinking yeah.
1: so so we had so looking back of course obviously this makes absolutely no sense right cuz god can't inspire someone to preach both right and wrong right if if somebody's preaching wrong well clearly you know that's not divinely inspired so it 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 kind of breaks down because you know the apostle paul even talked about you know if the gospel would profit because of my dishonesty then god how can god be just right so there's no way that god really could work that way that that was just our you know that's just his way i think of making sense of of all of the dual statements and deciding what he would reject and what he would keep and try to keep everything into a sensible package um, yeah that I think that at the end of the day that that really kind of gave us a kind of a distinctive set of doctrines and mm-hmm. teachings as a result that's a little bit different from from the rest of the message and it I think that in brother Jackson's mind, that blowing people away and making them go off into strange doctrines, turned into overdrive in the last years of
0: William Branham's ministry. So as the preeminent apostle, uh, and according to the New Testament, the gifts are first apostles, then prophets. So did did he effectively set himself up above William Branham? So
1: we, we did not believe William Branham had a New Testament ministry, so we believed he had a uh, an Old Testament prophet type ministry. So we we completely separated him from the New Testament ministry, uh, and so he we believe that when he came back to restore the hearts of the Father, he came back to restore a true ministry. Right, so he accomplished this in his prophetic role, and now this now these people who've had their hearts turned back to the Father are now a, 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 a re. Uh, a second generation, a new generation of original apostolic quality leaders—you know, ordained by William. So, Brown. so
0: that's that's very bizarre because they're basically, and this is, of course, one of the big problems I have with the message, and certainly with significant bits of evangelicalism in as it currently exists worldwide, which is people take bits of the old covenant and bring them into the new where Paul was very clear in the book of Galatians and the author of Hebrews saying, you know, when he calls it new, he makes it, The old one is old and what is old is obsolete and will soon disappear. So it's not that it's wrong. It's not that it's not true, but, you know, I like to use the example of my, of, of the iPhone. I had an iPhone one and but I don't use it anymore. Was the iPhone one good? It was wonderful. It did stuff that nothing else could do at the time. But now I've got you know, a new, I've got an iPhone 12. I wouldn't go back to my iPhone one. Why? Because the iPhone one is obsolete. So the writer of Hebrews really says, look, if you're looking to the old covenant, it's obsolete, it's disappearing. And it should be completely gone by now. But we keep seeing people wanting to take the old covenant and bring it into the law, into the new, which we see in the message, you know, as far as dress, we see it in, you know, references that William Brown had made to to tithing, uh, to references that uh, ministers had to marry a virgin. Where do you get that in the new covenant? It's all of the old covenant, and you get it by saying now are the same as the Levitical priesthood, and all of those rules apply, which is a very bizarre way of looking at things. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know it, it's a, as a, a mouthful there. So you've you've got definitely issues when you try to bring the law into grace, right? Uh, and issues that obviously we probably can't talk through in in this amount of time. But uh, there there's definitely we have a new covenant. We have grace under the new covenant, and uh, we've got a new a new paradigm that we live by rather yeah. than the law. And you're you're right. Uh, the way that they go back and they would bring an old Testament style prophet into the new Testament. Uh, it, it's hard to see how they can do that and justify that really in a scriptural way. And of course we know the way that they managed to do that is through the Malachi prophecy, yeah. right? So.
0: so which, you know, if people want to look, all you have to do is look at Revelation one verse one, which says uh, the word of the Lord to Israel and not to Gentiles, but you know, that's easily overlooked.
1: Brother Brother Jackson uh, on that on that topic. So one of Brother Jackson's claims to fame was he knew William Branham was Elijah before anybody else, or pretty well. You know that was the implication. Um, that was one of Brother Jackson's kind of boasts, I guess you might say to us, cause that was he believed he recognized William Branham was the Elijah from you know from the from the first time he heard his name, and it was actually based on that scripture, and so that was a big part of his his testimony and, and uh, basis that he went on. So we got to hear that quite a bit uh, during our lives.
0: And and the way, uh, which I think you said earlier, you, you, the way you looked on everybody else in the message was that basically they're apostate um, because they didn't have the right. right revelation of the message that you guys, who were properly revelated, had.
1: Exactly. we We believed you were... You know, it's very gnostic, right? We believed you were saved, and by your your revelation, your revelation is what made you the bride of Christ, versus a lost sinner or, or another category. And and you know, our our sect, Brother Jackson's sect, at the at the large at the high point was a was a good sized group of people. But yeah, we we were never in any ways a majority of the message. And uh, we did tend to look at all the rest as people who had been confused. And we believe that they were purposefully confused by God and that William Branham had did it on purpose by preaching wrong things to them. Wow.
0: <laughs> that is uh, that's yeah. hard to get one's head around. So you knew Raymond Jackson. What kind of a man was he? So, you know, in,
1: in a personal sense, Raymond Jackson was a, who he was off the platform and who he was on the platform were two very different personalities. I, I don't know if you noticed that with most message preachers, but with with him that was it was very much the case. You know, on the platform he was a very bold speaker, uh, and he could do a lot of things that, looking back now, is a bit unusual. But in in private, in person, he was a fairly nice person, easy to get along with, a fairly gentle man. Um, he definitely had a lot of good. Good personal qualities to him, right? So I, I certainly wouldn't, uh, you know, spurn him. I, I think he lived in many ways a, a a life that, in in a personal sense, you could say is is a good life to look to as an example, right? Like there was no kind of uh, unclean living or anything like that 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 ever really could be attached to him. Uh, but in in terms of his preaching, he he got to the point towards the end where he could be. Um, he could cut people off and and tear people down pretty quick and pretty easy, and he did quite a lot of that in, in the later years uh, in his life. But he was very uh, he was a person who was very deeply committed to his faith, um, and and for the message he loved it. I mean, he gave his life yeah. to it. And right? he thought, but he thought he, he was right say? and
0: everybody else was wrong.
1: Pretty much, yeah. And if you're wrong, you're uh, you're uh, you're in and trouble.
0: So. <laughs> Fear, fear is something that is an underlying theme in all of the various subcults in the message. I don't know one where fear isn't predominant. It's the way that people are held into the message to some extent. How did fear play out amongst the Jackson, in the Jackson movement?
1: So, you know, uh, it it took a lot of different levels, honestly. Um, so I mentioned we, you know, we didn't believe that Brayman or William Branham had the revelation of the thunders or the seven seals. Um, you know, even though ironically he said he had them in in the later years. Somehow, you know, it, looking back now, it's still hard for me to wrap my mind around how we how we arrived at that. Uh, but we we believed that we were on the edge of our seats waiting to hear the revelation of the thunders. It was right? coming any moment. And once we heard those thunders, they come at any minute. And when they came, it was going to be the end of the world, and we were going to have the rapture. And so we lived in constant anticipation, right? And you didn't want to miss a church service. You didn't want to be on the outside, right? And that, that was used as a something really to keep everybody on the inside. You don't know what you're going to miss if you don't get to church, you know? And so we never, never missed church. We always went to church because you know who, that could be the service that the seven thunders, you know, <laughs> was made known to us. So we never knew. So that that kept everybody super in. And and if you didn't hear the thunders, um, you weren't gonna make it, right? We you, if you didn't hear the thunders, you weren't gonna make it. That's that's where. So we if if the as as, thunders you know, were the revealed
0: rest. and you happened to have, uh, to work that night, uh, you were out. You were gone. Yeah
1: you're in trouble right and we believe there might be like a little space of time there between the thunders and the rapture right where you know maybe the people who were out sick that sunday they could hear it and it'd get around a little bit but you didn't have a whole lot of time right you from the time those thunders happened to getting out of here it was going to have to be so you better show up to church right <laughs> so so that kind of kept everybody you know on edge of seat and so the other piece of it though is to, towards the end of his life um about 1993 brother Jackson started preaching that the uh that the rapture would happen um well the, the week of daniel would happen in the year 2005 the week of daniel was supposed to start in 2005 and we of course was taught and believed that the rapture would happen at the start of the week of daniel so so we we for years, went through believing, you know, the end of the world is coming, you know, roughly in this time frame. Uh, I, I should pull off my shelf. I got some of the charts and the actual printouts of some of that stuff where he, where he had said that. And uh, so, so as that gets closer, right, we have this this criteria that we've got to meet to make the rapture right, and we've got to be ready by then or we're going to be left behind you know and so there's there's different things we have to do in our lives to get ready so it's all about this you know i i grew up you know always paranoid do i have enough of what it takes to go in the rapture right and i sure better be here when we have the thunders and and brother jackson had this dream like prophetic dreams kind of really featured in a lot to his stuff he had this dream where um We're in a, he's in a big room and like an auditorium. And to get into this auditorium, you had to have a little bottle of anointing oil, which represented, you know, you had to have just this right Holy Ghost experience and all of the criteria met. You could only get in there if you had the right stuff. And then once we were in there, Brother Branham appeared on stage and gave us this wonderful something, which he couldn't remember what it was. But whatever this wonderful thing was what was going to more or less take us out of the world. And so we more or less, that was always interpreted that you had to have this, whatever this perfect thing was in order to get in to hear the thunders. And if you didn't even have this, then you're going to be knocked out before the thunders come and you're going to miss everything. And so we just lived our whole life trying to... Make sure we were in this state where we get the thunders and we could get the rapture. It, it was really unusual, and so towards the towards about the year two thousand, um, it did, it wasn't apparent to me, but it's parent, it started to become apparent to other people, especially some of the other key mess ministers in our sect of the message that uh the world was not going to end by 2005 So when did Junior Jackson pass away? Yeah. He died he died in December of 2004, 6 months before, right? 6 months before his uh his date came. Yeah. That was that was uh really something. Huh. <laughs> and so uh so about 2004 or rather 2000 some of the people Certain ministers started to distance themselves a little bit from the prediction, and looking back now, I, I realize what what started to transpire at this point. Brother Jackson started having this uh, belief that if you wanted to hear the thunders and you wanted to go, we all had to be in perfect unity, and this this is when things really started to get get very tough. And at that point, that was used to target. At first, the preachers who had harbored doubts uh, about 2004 and a half, Uh, and, you know, they found different reasons that they weren't in unity with them and they were, you know, ran off for that cause. And this just kept going, though, right? So we're set up now, unless we're in perfect unity, we're not going to be able to hear the thunders. We're not going to be able to go in the rapture. And so it just... It starts to get really terrible at at that point in our part of the message, and things start to get very divisive. And you know, people are being basically scared they're going to go to hell, thrown out of the church, family separated. You know, it gets really so people ugly. People were at that thrown point. out of the church. Oh yeah, I mean we we probably. So in those years, between 2000 and 2004, about half of the Global Fellowship was was done just, away with. Disfellowship. You know,
0: they, they either left or they were asked to leave. Disfellowship.
1: Exactly. So in just those few years, about half of the Global Fellowship uh, fell fell off at that point. And then when when Brother Jackson died, you know, we had— we had a few years there. Well, we had we had six months to his date came and went, and he had he had put in there a couple years of leeway. He said, "Well, I could be off a year or two, right?" And so, 2005 ended, nothing happened. 2006 ended, nothing happened. 2007 ended, nothing happened, and now it's 2008, and everybody at that point realizes something is wrong with you know brother jackson's math and so all all the preachers that are left they start coming up with they come up with different ways to try and, and fix the problem right so so like one one preacher in Canada comes up with one way to fix the calculations. Uh, you know, a preacher in Alabama comes up with another way to fix them. A preacher in Arizona comes up with another way. Preacher in preachers in Africa come up with different ways to fix it. Preachers in Europe come up with different ways to fix it. You know, just every preacher is coming up with a different way to fix the calculations. And so there, there, and our pastor, of course, that took over after Raymond Jackson died, he's come up with his way to fix the calculations. The problem is, is. Everybody has a different way to fix it. Okay? And now they all come back together and we all gotta be in perfect unity <laughs> <laughs> or we're not gonna make it. And everybody has the right answer, but nobody agrees, and in it, it's was like an atomic bomb. And um, you know, I, I can chuckle about it a little bit, but it was it was a horrific experience to live through, um, through that yeah, time. I, what, uh, what 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 fell I out can't from imagine. that.
0: I know how bad it was when our church started to implode. It just, I couldn't sleep. I didn't sleep for months and months. It yeah. was just very, cause you knew there's something terribly wrong. And I mean, with us, it was sin. and And sin that, you know, you just kind of go, this is not possible. this happens in the Catholic Church. This happens in denominations. it doesn't happen in my church we're the We are the last voice. William Brown was the last voice to the last age. We believe his message, and how does this happen? It's just messed up and yeah it's yeah
1: for for me, so at this point, and me and most everyone I know, we still believe Brother Jackson somehow had to be right right like we cognitively dissonantly de- dealt with that somehow and but the way that we got through it was by basically mass division the 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 group broke into about seven different sects at that point with different all different men claiming to be the leaders um you know a lot of our families were broken up and for us that means you can never see or speak to these people ever again and so we we lost a whole lot of our, I mean, I lost most of my family at that point as far as relationships uh, when we went through that period. Um, a lot of marriages were broken up. They would even pressure, you know, if a husband went one way, and a wife another, they'd pressure divorces. So it, it was really awful. Ministers They're,
0: are going to be held to account for this. As yeah, James says, yeah. I think it's James chapter 3. He says, brothers, not many of you should seek to be teachers because we will be held to a higher standard, there's going to be much more strict yeah. judgment on, and, and we saw it. Uh Pastor breaks up a marriage because for a whim, and then uh, it's even in yeah. the same family, you have, okay, this guy was divorced. The wa- woman was divorced. The man was divorced. They got married. So they, that shouldn't happen. But then wow. you got in the same family, man divorced, woman divorced, they get married, and it's okay, it's just, it's all based on opinion. It's not based on any kind of standard.
1: Yeah, it's just whatever, you know, makes the leader happy at that moment. Let me look on my shelf real quick. I think I have, uh, let me look, if I got that tape, I could, I'll just pull it out and show you. I think I've got it here somewhere. Oh, sorry if I step away for a second. I I don't see it. No, we can still hear you. I wish I did, I'd pull it out. I'd pull it off and show you the the tape that has the uh, that has those charts and some of those things on it, but for the end, I can't remember right where I have it filed. Well, maybe what you
0: could do is if you find them, send me a copy and I'll post it on the website so that people who listen can download and take a look at it.
1: Yeah. Let me do that. I know I have a, I know I have a photograph of it I can share, but the thing is the, the chart, the chart with this date and stuff, we posted it in our churches for years, right? Like it's still, it's still in the, ch- there's still a chart in the church at Faith Assembly that points the end of the world at 2005. You know, 2005. <laughs> yeah. Hanging on the wall in the church, right? <laughs> like it, they're, they're everywhere in in our churches. Yeah. So it, it it's a crazy wild, wild thing. And you know the the desperation to try and fix that really led to a lot of the current problems
0: that are in the in the Jackson group. It sounds like any kind of rebellion against Junior Jackson, while he was alive, got nipped in the bud, and he would just show them the door.
1: Right, you're you're you're, you're exactly right. You know there there wasn't really much that I would call rebellion. More what I call, I guess, division. I mean, there was a few times there was, uh, you know, there was a time Brad Burgess. I don't know oh, I you know Brad. I've yeah. heard of Brad Burgess. Yeah, he's got a message church over in Louisville. There was a time he came and like uh, they had a different holiness standards than Faith Assembly did. And he ripped Brother Jackson, you know, <laughs> up one side and down the other on the platform. Uh, and so, you know, there was a few times there was direct challenges like that and, Of course, he he ended up showed the door, you know. So there was a few times things like that happened. But it was more, you know, as soon as Brother Jackson found out, there was even something possibly going on. Yeah, they they were dealt with really quick. Um, One time, uh, one maybe you're familiar with, so some of the – there were some ministers that we financially supported in India, for example. And we found out that they were also taking money from uh, Cloverdale. (laughs) (laughs) So they were on uh, both of our dimes, right? Well, that's – and yeah, that's uh, you not know,
0: uncommon <laughs> when you go offshore, people are, they'll ask these guys yeah. for money, these guys for money. And yeah, they just, mm-hmm. they're interested in the money. They're not necessarily interested in what you have to say or what you believe. Yeah.
1: And so anyways, you know, once Brother Jackson found out that these people are possibly double agents, right. You know, they're immediately, they're immediately dealt with, right. That way, because, you know, he didn't want, you know, any connection back to Cloverdale yeah. Bible way. Right. So Yeah, it was always dealt with right on the spot as soon as he found those things out.
0: So moving ahead, what caused you to start asking questions about the message? And I know these things, certainly with me, it's not suddenly you woke up and say, oh, the message false. You got a question and you have a difficult time getting answers to the questions and you talk to people and they don't want you to question. So what started your questioning the message? That brings us to the end of part one of our interview with Charles Paisley. We welcome you to come back next month to listen to part two of the interview. If you have any questions, please go to the -the offtheshelf.life website. There is space for comments and questions at the bottom of each episode. I have asked Charles if he would answer any questions that our listeners might post. Or you can send me an email at rod at offtheshelf.life please let us know if there are any issues or questions that you think we should address or someone we should consider interviewing. Thank you very much for listening. And remember that God loves you and is not afraid of your questions. Have a great week.